0: Oh, hey, Kate!
1: <gasps> Hi. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. How are you? Uh,
0: I'm. I'm doing well. It's. Uh, it's. It's been a hot minute.
1: <laughs> Long time gone. Ain't hit the road since I don't know when. Really, Remember the Dixie Chicks?
0: Yes, I do. I do indeed. <sighs> um, <laughs> so. Um, Welcome to will... Unrolled, everybody.
1: Hi, guys. If you're here and you made it back, or if you're uh, part of the handful of people that have um, asked, where the hell are you? Uh, thank you for caring. <laughs> 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 and uh, we're 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 psyched um, to be back and the dawn of a new approach to Unrolled is upon us. <laughs> Tis. But
0: before we get to that, I, I don't know if we should dive into the logistics first thing. Um, how, how, how you
1: been? Um, Not good, Ryan, not yeah. good. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, as, um, it, you know threw me a massive massive curveball and my whole life is totally turned upside down and i am floating in a really exciting way and i have never been more grateful for my friends and my yoga practice and my yoga teaching practice and Sometimes when shit happens, when really difficult things um, are thrown at you, it boils your life down and brings clarity. And all of a sudden, you can see who, how many people um, genuinely love you, and you can see with clarity what you actually want and what you actually v- value, and it it is a difficult and ferocious time of honesty. And, you know, I recommend everybody get their uh, life set on fire and their heart torn out because it slaps you in the face with opportunity and clarity. Um, So I'm weirdly excited about the waves and waves of discomfort that are being thrown at me. And I am also like getting to kick the tires on on the integrity of my practice, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. It does make sense.
1: And so far the tires, you know, the tires hold. Um and my teaching is weirder than it's probably ever been. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, you know, there's so much I want to talk about and so much I'm trying to be mindful of of not talking about, but um, I have been diving, uh, I've been doing a lot more with my meditation practice, which, as you know, was always, uh, for me, a challenge and one that was not priority number one in terms of my practice in general. Uh-huh. Uh, But it has come front and center stage. And the reason that this is interesting to me is because, you know, about 10 years ago when I was going through another form of hell, I um, found myself shifting and relying more on restorative yoga. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, for various emotional and physiological reasons, it was the most accessible form. And now... When I thought what I'd be leaning on is my restorative yoga and um, sort of a more active asana practice, I'm actually relying on sitting. Um, so I think the thing that continues to excite me about the practice is that I don't always know how it's going to show up or what part of it is going to become more urgent, mm-hmm. um, but practicing openness to the form in which the practice is is of most use. Um, And having that lens as a practitioner and as a student is really important because it allows your teaching to change, which is why I am an ongoing advocate for get-off-script teachers. Get off your fucking scripts. I know you're planning classes, but, like, once in a while, you got to drop it because when we can open up to more receptivity for who's in the room, we can take our teaching plans and, and deliver them to the actual living, breathing humans that have shown up rather than this fictitious audience in our mind, um, mm-hmm. which is what I'm really about. I'm really about like getting out of the performance mode and I'm really getting out of, like, here's a presentation of a product that is a class that I'm going to deliver. And I'm not saying don't teach. Like, there can be a thing you want to teach. But, like, how it gets delivered, you have to be open to. You have to be a channel and a freaking vessel, which means you have to listen. I don't know. I'm getting weird fast. I'm also, Marianne freaking Williamson is running for president.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, the number of emails from yoga folks asking me to she must be asking people to do this in some weird weird way but I've gotten at least four emails from different people being like please consider Marianne Williamson like <laughs>
1: uh, yep got it
0: and I'm like yep no, okay whatever you say <laughs> you know
1: I have I okay so first and foremost when I heard the news that of course in miracles was running for president. I
0: <laughs> This is really went, just put the book on stage. It might be more entertaining than anything else that's going on.
1: <laughs> this isn't to say that I don't appreciate in, uh, some of the things she's done and some of the things she said sure, and how sure. she says it. All of those things, mad respect. And then like I look into like, you know, she said some really fucked up shit, too. And <laughs> like it, it, I really am very wary of anybody that tap dances along the line of you can heal yourself with positive thinking. I think it is risky, risky, risky fucking jargon.
0: Yes. Yes. How did we get on Marianne?
1: (laughs) Because I was starting to talk like her. I was trying to. Oh, talk. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was getting a little.
0: Woo-woo. I don't think so. I mean, I think there's such a thing as listening into the room um, to see what's appropriate. And, you know, yes. there's when. There's moments where you listen into the room and you. realize that whatever it is that whatever agenda that you had walked in there with has to be thrown out the window because there's something else showing up um uh or there's a group a a big enough group of people that don't really share your context for practice so there has to be a, a bit more of a conversation that whether that's like a verbal conversation or a conversation in terms of of the the actual forms you're teaching um uh but then sometimes you know i don't know if you've had this experience of of you know either beginning the class in meditation or beginning the class in in pranayama or beginning the class in you know Something that the, the, you know, that generally, and this is very general, that the modern yoga complex would not be, would, that people might think it odd that you had spent that much time there at the beginning of an asana class. (laughs) And you get to the end of it and you look around the room and you're like, okay, we're done. Like, everyone looks great. Like, everyone looks really settled. And then the rest of it is just like, okay, I guess we'll... Do triangle pose now? <laughs> I
1: guess let's, let's do a lunge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I feel that too on the, um, at school, uh, being in clinic, that, like, you know, w- we we have to do a quote-unquote full-body massage by that, meaning that, like, I have to touch front, back of the legs, arms, back, uh, neck, skull, etc. um, in every massage. And like, you know, sometimes it's just like, yeah, I could help this person in like 20 minutes just by addressing the thing that they told me is bothering them. And then the rest of it is just like, okay, <laughs> I'm just going to spend the rest of the time. <laughs>
1: Filling doing in the old soft shoe.
0: <laughs> it's not every time, and 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 you know certainly there are there are benefits to just like overall circulatory massage, but um, especially when someone comes in with like this thing is bothering me today, and then we address that thing, and then I'm doing like the rest of it for like I'm so excited to be done, <laughs> so fucking excited to be done.
1: How is uh, you're in the home stretch now.
0: Yes. Nine more class meetings, like days that I have to go in for actual coursework. Um, and then 15 more clinical hours. Um, I think I'm, I, I, according to my calculations, I don't, I shouldn't have to do any makeup hours, but I'm waiting on the final word for that. So, should be just 15, 15 more. Um, More clinic hours, and then, you know, on the last day of class, I can just pop my paperwork in the mail and and send in for my license. Holy shit. Yep.
1: Oh, this is wonderful.
0: It's been a really, really long year for many, many reasons. For me,
1: on the outside, just hearing about it, it's been super short.
0: (laughs) I mean, to to be fair, when I started this... I was like, okay, like, I, I really have to get done within, like, the 2019 calendar year. Like, I need to be at least finished by then. But I was like, I'm going to be lucky to be done by November. Um, and so the fact that I'm going to be finished on the last day of class, knock on wood, um, um, is is pretty remarkable.
1: It's incredible. <laughs> what do you attribute that to? um
0: i i at at some point i really just like pulled back my my schedule my teaching schedule quite a bit um to be able to be in in clinic more um uh because i just uh it's it's too it would have been too much to have the showing up for clinical hours go into the fall semester, like that, w- that would just be too much, too much to do. And at some point it became clear that I'd rather just like be in survival mode for the net, for, you know, the summer basically to really, to really get this thing done. Um, than to let it drag out. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a little, the home stretch is, is a little bit frustrating. Cause you know, like yesterday I showed up and I was supposed to be there for three three sessions and they only had one client for me uh so i'm now very much in this mode is like i'm just going to show up every day and if there are clients for me there are clients for me and as long as i show up every day i will get to that magical 200 by the last day of of classes and i will be done (laughs) and hopefully it's a lot quicker than that but at least by then um, so, you know, it's, it's, I'm really glad that I did it. I'm really glad that I did it. Um, but I'm also really glad to be done.
1: And then what comes next?
0: Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say. Um, but You know, I want to continue to move a pretty large chunk of how I'm, quote-unquote, teaching to working with people one-on-one. But, uh, you know, I, I really want it to be... And this may take a while. I want people to have the freedom to come in and, you know... Decide. Hey, I would really like your help manually. Like, I would like you to. I would like some body work Put today, your or
1: up on yeah. my body,
0: or um, you know, I would like to learn more about this. Can we talk about this today? Uh, you know, I, I just, I wanted to be. Able, I want people to consider like coming into. Um, coming into work with me could take whatever form because fundamentally you know it, yes there is the possibility for manual therapy to to relieve pain absolutely a hundred percent but the value that it's had for me is actually the ability to um, refine my own awareness of what's going on So in a lot of ways, I just view it as another teaching tool. Just like coming in and doing a few, doing a uh, an asana session is going to increase someone's awareness and potentially relieve some of the suffering that's going on. um, I look at the addition of bodywork in the same way. Um, uh, That it's much more just another modality of of teaching. Um, Not to mention that having the license gives me access to a lot of other educational opportunities that I would not otherwise have um, just as a yoga teacher.
1: Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. Um, And I'm so relieved that it's down the home stretch. Are you planning on doing most of that work out of Bow Street? Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, there, there's a possibility that at, at, um, that there may be some other studios that I'll, I'll have uh, like chunks of time here and there where I could work with folks at. But um, there, there's a small storage closet that we've cleared out and that um, the landlord is putting a door on and it, you know, the table folded and tucked in a corner, there's plenty of room to, to work with people on the yoga mat. And then unfolding the table, there's plenty of room to work with folks on the table. Um, so, you know, it's not the, uh, it's not the ideal, um, but it certainly gets me started. And uh, and I really would only have to use that office during the evening um, when there's other classes going on. I would probably just work with people in the actual studio um during the day when there wasn't, if there wasn't anything going on in there.
1: Oh my gosh. I'm so excited.
0: And, and I'm like, and I'm, you know, this week we've been doing the, uh, Fez and I have been doing the, the retreat, um, at the studio in the afternoons. Uh, mm-hmm. and this is actually going to, we're recording on Friday. So this would be the last, last day. Um, and, uh, it's been so nice not, running around and going to all my other classes and i know that it's probably not feasible for me to at least in the short term like just be at bow um but it's just been so nice um, to just be (laughs) a bow just be a bow and to like have my mornings to practice and Go in and teach and and just call it a call it a day Um, because I think that's that's the thing that's really starting to wear on me as I teach longer is like if I if I don't have the ability like if I if I if the if the morning begins by me like waking up and having to like run out the door to get to a yoga class it just it no (laughs) it's just not great um so i've got to figure that out um i don't know i don't know what that will mean but i've, I've got to figure that out over the next year or so just to to um, decide how it is that i want to spend my time because also you know the thing is, is if, if i don't if i don't have that time to practice like i'm not really much good to anybody no like it's just and and yes, I can do the thing that I've always done, which is like, oh, okay, I've got like forty five minutes. No, I got an hour between like one thirty and two thirty. I'm gonna pop into this studio and like see if there's a room available and practice then, and then run out and go do the next thing. But I that I, I don't. That's so not ideal.
1: <laughs> no. No. Um, yeah.
0: yeah,
1: I am, um, I'm sort of like a, <sighs> it's interesting cause this is one of the topics I had written down for us to touch on that you sort of just broached and it's the, the like teaching schedule and teaching while life is in limb, like while life is in deep limbo.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, cause I, have you ever been, there's a yoga studio I'm so excited to check out in Rehoboth, Massachusetts called Positive Space Yoga. And I've been stalking their website. Um, it's also like a tattoo parlor attached, um, or in a different building nearby. And everything on their website is like, this is ch- like chill yoga for real people. And it's like super inclusive and uh just like they have everything i just like super super fucking cool people it looks like and um so i've been living in Rhode Island and i'm going to go check them out anyways i bring it up because you know i'm looking at my schedule and my life and where i'm going to live and um You know, trying to build a schedule that I get to keep teaching at the places I love, uh, at the classes I love, but like having an exercise and like letting go of what I think I'm supposed to be doing and the volume I'm supposed to be doing of various things is, um, you know, it's like there's a there's a lot of humility in assessing one's schedule during times of upheaval. And that's what I'm sort of hearing, you know, you're, you're teaching it so many places. Um, and at some point, you know, the healthy thing is for you to like pull the energy in and consolidate and I don't know, I just, I it's really, really hard to depend entirely on teaching yoga for, um, you know, for a livelihood, yeah. as we keep coming back to. And I don't. I don't rely on it exclusively, but I do rely on it. Yeah. I don't know really really where I'm going with this. It's sort of just a meditation and uh, fuckery. I mean
0: um, that that honestly could have been the name of this
1: podcast. Uh, meditation and photography. <laughs> well, but I will you know, I will say this. I um while I was going through uh, a particularly rough moment recently, I became you know my uh team at Down Under Swarmed around me in support in a way that I never anticipated, and certainly didn't expect from an employer. And I became really, really, really aware that that's something that doesn't exist in larger chains. Um, And I'm not saying this to you know blow smoke up anybody's ass. I just am saying it because I. Um really grateful that I work for an independent yoga studio right now that has um it is small enough to care about <laughs> me during a hard time in a in a way that was just tremendously generous. And um you know, it, it was the kind of thing where I I just it it wouldn't have happened if I had been teaching for a large corporation.
0: No, that's, that's very true.
1: I just, um, I'm really struggling. There's people I love, I truly love that work for large corporations and um, I just don't, I, I am now on the same page as you were years ago and I used to debate with you on it. I just don't see how, what is happening in the classroom can happen integrity with integrity when the delivery mechanism is completely at odds with the value structure of what we're trying to teach.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, which is not to say that that conflict doesn't arise in in independent Independence, too. Independent studios. Oh, it's totally, ju- Yes. It's just that you know when when there are shareholders and higher-ups who really don't value yoga as anything other than the product that they are selling. Um, You know, that... It it comes down to this. Whoever, Whoever is at the head of the studio or the center, they set the tone whether they know it or not. The second that back bay yoga was no longer back bay yoga, it felt different. Yep. Because Lynn was no longer at the center. The second that, and there was no hope as much as, uh, as much as I think, uh, Rachel Torado, who was the co-manager with me when, when it got sold, as much as we tried, it became very apparent to both of us very quickly that like, well, okay. <laughs> This is this is done, <laughs> um, and you know, uh, as much as there wasn't a stark change when I took over Bow Street Yoga, the day that I took over Bow Street Yoga, something shifted because now I was at the center of it. And even though there's quite a bit of a congruency between how Teresa and I view yoga, it's it's still. A, it's still a change, it's still a big change, and people feel it whether they whether they're aware of it or not
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: um and and you know that that is the and you know some I, I see little rumblings here and there about people advocating for you know more of this like down under type model not to like call them out it's just like i don't really know of anyone else doing what they're doing at the scale that they're doing it in terms of having these employees and these managers and and this you know structure that allows them to do some of the same things that a bigger you know national entity would be able to do but still in an independent way um uh you know I see people rumbling for more of that. But then I also... There's still always part of me that's like, nope, we need to scale down. We need to scale down. As far down as we can scale. If we could get back to a little card box... Church basement? With, you know, a little index card, three by five that says Kate Robinson and the date that you bought your 10 class card... And little tick marks as to like, if the, you know, obviously it doesn't need to be like that. We, we have things like Google docs now that might <laughs> might change how that, how that works. But you know what I mean? There's there, if we could scale down, we, I, I really feel like we, we might not have to make as many compromises or worry about as many compromises in terms of the yoga that's being presented Um, and, and, you know, we've talked about this a lot, like, I'm not against yoga occurring in a capitalist society because we all have to pay bills and, and, and make our rent and, and all of that. And where it starts to get squirrely is when the exchange isn't direct and you can look at the different degrees of 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 that you know there's the degree to which you know i am teaching at boston yoga union and they're collecting the money on whatever memberships and class cards and then they're paying me and so, like, that's a degree of separation in the directness of exchange, but might not be a problematic one. Right. Um, might might be a really useful one. But like the second the money is going to like all the way over to Colorado or California and then having to get back to you somehow, like. All going into one big pot and being dispersed as like that, that degree of, of separation gets gets a little tricky to me. Because there was something that felt, and I will say this forever, there is something that feels really worthwhile about, you know, initially it was Barbara Bena walking in Tuesdays at um, 2pm, throwing a $20 bill in the bowl at the front of the classroom, um, and then get, you know, getting a really wonderful experience of yoga and learning a bunch of stuff. Um, and, you know, then it's, you know, me going in to see Tom and paying him uh, what we've agreed upon as a fee and having a really supportive, um, learning environment and mentorship type relationship, um, that is, uh, really helpful, um. And I think the the directness of that is. um, I don't I don't want to say that it's necessary because I don't think it's necessary. I just think it's. A way to mitigate the issue of value exchange.
1: Um, Yeah, but it's only accessible to, you know. A, a very narrow group. I don't I don't actually
0: think I think if everybody resolved to to make the exchange direct, I think we'd all be in in a better place. I, yeah, I,
1: but there's overhead for space. Like that yes, is. Yes, and and
0: here's the thing. As someone who gets to, you know, be a studio owner and be a teacher out there in the world, I see this this double-edged sword that that teachers want lots of money, but that they also want the freedom to leave for 5 weeks and not teach. And so you know, if if we were really wanting to deal with the overhead for space, in my mind the thing to do is to spread the risk around. And say, okay, you know, we're going to pool and I don't think this is necessarily possible in Boston because I think the real estate has has gotten for,
1: nothing for is realistic in Boston anymore yes
0: <laughs> but in other places like it would be really feasible to be like okay we're going the the five of us are going to put together a a 20 class schedule and we're going to you know agree upon a price per class so no one's undercutting anybody else and then you know All of the money goes into the pot and then you get paid out everything that you're you're owed at the end of the month minus, you know, what's agreed upon as rent and expenses. Um, And yeah, you know, that would mean that some months, you know, you might not make much money, but then other months you'd make a ton of money. Um, uh, So, like, I realize there's there's risk involved, but I would rather see a small risk spread Across everybody who's really passionate about teaching what they're teaching, um, then you know studio owners having to you know is it I mean I I did the math on how much bare bare minimum needs to be made for my studio. Um, just to keep the doors open. And I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> oh no. I did. I was like, is this really worth it? And Mike and had a long conversation with my accountant. He's like, if we're looking at the numbers, you should close tomorrow. But then he was like, but we're not looking at the numbers. We're looking at what you want, which I thought for an accountant was a really
1: progressive, <laughs> progressive. <laughs>
0: And, and and in some ways, very yogic
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: approach to things. So, you know, I, I see people demanding things of yoga teachers, of you know, saying uh, like I've seen a few more calls for like yoga teacher unions and and you know things like that. And I'm just like, y'all, we just need to like, we just need to go small. we need to go small and in the small there there's it's a big enough pool that everybody can um but it's also a risk like it is a risk and you know we all make choices as to how we're going to mitigate that risk and some people do that by having outside jobs which i think is great and i do it by still teaching at other studios and you know working with folks one-on-one and you know, struggling with whether or not any sort of teacher training should be part of that equation. Um, but it's, uh, it's much more, it's much more complex than, and, and, than people really, um, like, I just, I've seen it boiled down more and more to these really simplistic, Explanations and and really more not so much simplistic explanations but simplistic solutions, um, and I and I don't think the solutions are simplistic, because then you have to start pulling on threads that really begin to unravel the whole yoga industrial complex, as it were.
1: <laughs> um, speaking of the yoga industrial complex. I'm done with Yoga Alliance. Tell me why. I'm done. Shut it down. Well, I
0: mean, I so so I agree, but <laughs> like, I also but I also think that there are a, there are some really positive things and and
1: and 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 what are those positive things?
0: A 200 hour training should be 200 hours.
1: I mean, a 200 hour training, like from the get go, is a garbage concept.
0: Yes, but it, if we're going to call it that, it should be 200 hours. Not one hundred and twenty.
1: Okay. So that to me, isn't a good thing. That to me is an obvious thing that they're remedying. Yes, absolutely. But, but I'm, I'm it's not something I will applaud them for fucking I, up in the first place.
0: I also think that having the lead teachers teach up to a hundred and having to teach 150, um, hours of the training is is a I think I phrased that wrong the lead trainer one or two of them need to combined teach 150 hours of the training
1: okay because why I think that's like abs why why is that good
0: because I do think that having these if, if we're going to talk about yoga as education and we just like divorce ourselves from the concept of 200 hours for a second, like f- forget, forget that for a second, just say that it's our perfect world. And, you know, Barbara has some degree of long form educational program, as does Patricia Walden, as do I, as does, uh, down under as a school, as it like, everybody has like these are the things that are valuable these are the things that we feel like are are worthwhile to teach in a long form yoga course that may or may not lead to teaching depending on what each person is is wanting okay let's let's just imagine that world for a second in a world like that you might go and learn from barbara and then go and learn from someone else And then go and learn from someone else, and then go and learn from someone else. And all of a sudden, this hierarchy of advanced, meaning the 300, 500, and beginning, meaning the 200, whatever, hours, is dissolved. And then everyone is just going to learn unique perspectives and skills and tools from people whom they think are... From people whom they resonate with as teachers. And one of the things that the 200-500 hour sets up, because I agree with you, the whole concept is garbage. Um, one of the thing that the 200-500 hour sets up is that you do this 200 hour, and because there is no um, incentive really to do a 500 hour, financially, there's incentive, perhaps intellectually. Um, uh, the People are just like, okay, well, I know everything now that I've done my 200 hour. And like the way that I was teaching when I got out of my 200 hour, I mean, I still have those old notebooks and it's frightening. (laughs) And it's not a bad thing. Like teaching should, should evolve, but, but it does (laughs) this whole, this whole hierarchy of, of training sets up this. This weird culture of, you know, and, and they're trying to reinforce that by saying that everyone who wants to run a 200 hour training needs to be a E-R-Y-T 500 or whatever, um, which I'm of two minds about. If people are really wanting to buy into the Yoga Alliance thing, then yes, I agree. But if we want to take a more radical approach, then fuck that.
1: I think Yoga Alliance is like, hey, poor people, we don't want you to teach yoga. Hey, yoga teachers who have invested fucking years and years of time and money, uh, your certifications aren't uh, what we want them to be. Go back and spend that money again. I, like, to me, it is such an economic uh, accessibility fucking middle finger to teachers
0: but but, okay Uh, but i think what you're reacting to is i I think that the problematic setup uh, of any conversation around yoga alliance is that teacher trainings have replaced actually learning about yoga
1: Okay, so what we could do is separate this conversation and talk about the pedagogical theories, the, the underpinnings of like what are we actually learning to teach and what are we actually learning about the practice. That's conversation one. Conversation number two is how we're treating the living and breathing humans that are trying to teach as they are now. And or are the businesses that are trying to continue to lead teacher trainings? I think those are just two different discussions okay, because well, let's, let's eventually go, have, they need to cleave together. Yes, but <laughs> let's have both of them then.
0: So let's let's start with the actual human beings and businesses. Um, uh, I, I do think that it is disingenuous and always have thought it was disingenuous to run a to advertise something called a 200 hour training in which it is only 120 hours which a lot of studios are guilty of. Um,
1: Yeah, I'm not going to debate that for a second. I think you're spot on correct. um, Call it a 200 hour. But so do you think offline work or being required to take classes with a certain number of teachers has no place in like we couldn't accommodate any of those hours? No,
0: I think, I think, I think the standards as I understand them don't, One of the things they did was they got rid of this whole idea of contact, non-contact. And that was the way to mitigate my, again, this is my understanding, that there was a number of people who wanted there to be more hours in that initial training, like where that, the 200 would have become 250 or 300. And so I think what they're saying, the, 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 the sort of middle ground was like, okay, let's just call it 200 hours. So we're not... You know, we're not upping the burden necessarily um, on the number of hours that are required, that are necessarily required. But we are saying that all of those hours need to be in classroom. In a training context, which is not to say that you couldn't have like one class a week. That was a training context in which you opened up other that other people could come drop into it. You know what I mean? It just has to be primarily geared towards the
1: yeah, training. or another way to do it is like, hey, you got to take this public class, but afterwards we circle up and talk about x, y, and Z, yes. that happened in that class, like an immediately yes. correlative relationship to what you just did in a public class, yes, precisely
0: so so I you know I, I think that's I, I was happier seeing that implemented. As opposed to now, the initial training needs to be three hundred hours. Um, you know that I, I was, because because a lot of my, you know, having been privy to a lot of the conversations, being on the standards review, whatever, uh, there were some people advocating for some re- things that would have really, really, really made it like unduly expensive, and as with all things like Yoga Alliance or. St- like licensure boards, a lot of people are in it just f- for their own business interests, um, more so than than for trying to advocate for for the broader community. So, uh, you know, there's there is a part of me when people get really really upset about the new standards where I was like, oh wow, it could have been way worse. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, uh, so the, there's that. Um, I. I also think that it's, we're still at a point where if studios don't like what's being done, they should just publish their own standards. Mm Mm-hmm. I would be more than happy to, to anyone who's listening in Boston sit down with people who lead teacher trainings in Boston and just come up with our own standards (laughs) and say, this is the standard.
1: Yeah. And I think the main, the main fear that, um, these, uh, folks in leadership positions in yoga studios is going to come up against is will the consumer fear their unemployability without a larger certification? Like what, you know, a larger RYT circle sure. logo branding, like, and I think that's what we're just going to have to relieve ourselves of because when you look around Boston and you look at the hiring practices of teachers and I, of course I am referring, you know, specifically to our market, but when you, uh, there aren't many places that demand specific things, no. the places that demand those things tend to be the core power yoga works. But yeah. even they
0: will make I, exceptions.
1: Yes. So there's part of me that's like, Hey, it's not actually benefiting anyone. The only thing people actually care about is where did you get your training? Who did you train with? How and do you teach? And here's you, the thing. Are you good? Are you a good teacher? <laughs>
0: um. And here's the thing. With, with people that I care about as practitioners if they're interested in teaching I am more than happy to be of support to their teaching practice. However, what I am fundamentally interested in is their ability to understand practice and to understand how practice can be beneficial to their own well-being and so the second those two things come into conflict i'm not going to be so willing to to have a discussion about you know what's the best way to teach trikonasana i'm going to be much more interested in it's like okay what's going what's going on in practice how can how can we how can we frame this in a in a practice perspective Um, because I think what is happening, and this is what veers us into the other discussion, is that, you know, we really, really do have to get back to this place of you're learning how to practice. You're learning how to practice. You're trying to understand practice as best you can. And then at some point, there's a conversation that begins to happen around teaching. And if that's what we were really concerned about, we could absolutely do baseline yoga teacher trainings in a hundred hours. If we were delivering the educational content about this is, this is, this is how to practice, which is not to say that you get rid of classes that are primarily concerned with just leading people through an experience, but that you also offer like, okay, this is what we value in terms of practice. Here are the skills that we find valuable. And in in this context, we're going to learn them and we're going to learn how to apply them Then if someone was interested in teaching and someone wanted to have a teacher training They would already have a very clear understanding about the applying skills to their own practice And then there just gets to be a conversation of okay. Now. How do we apply these skills? Um, to other people's experience. How do we share this with other people and? and that initial chunk of time could actually be pretty, pretty short. Because if I I think if we were just really clear that all the teacher training was was meant to do, which is really what the market wants it to do, is to in some, you know, uh, safety is a tricky word, but in some moderately safe way, lead people through breathing, moving and mild meditative exercises that doesn't take very long, especially if you narrow the scope. Um, And, you know, yes, there would be beyond that, like much, much more complex material, but there's no reason someone in in a beginning teacher training needs to know about chakras. There's just no, there's no reason they need to know about Ayurveda. Agreed. There's just no reason. And it's and, and with so many of those things, th- th- those are all topics where, like, a little information can be really, really dangerous. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> because like,
1: all of a sudden, someone is like, I'm going to teach about chakras. <laughs> yes. Yes. I know they exist, and now I'm going to teach about this thing that I know exists. Um,
0: so it's just, you know... I-
1: it's like learning to balance a checkbook and also learning just a bit of string theory. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, that's 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 the thing is like, it's actually hard to separate these two conversations in my mind, but I agree. They are two mildly separate conversations. One assumes that we're just moving in this somewhat rapid direction towards Yoga Alliance being the be-all, end-all regulator of yoga. And then the other says, wait, and the truth is, it's not actually a radical departure from how yoga used to be presented. Like it, it, it's not all that radical, but if you think about all of the strides that we've made in, you know, having conversations, I mean, we're far from, you know, many, many more conversations could and should be had on these topics, but, you know, trauma awareness, uh, um, uh, diversity and inclusion in the classroom, like all of these things. And if we just took all of that understanding and then went backwards to like, no, you're just going to come to the class of the teacher that you enjoy. And, you know, you're going to really understand something about practice. And, you know, uh, because the scale of the yoga sphere is so much bigger than it was 20 years ago. Um, Maybe there still would be formal programs in which you learned the mechanics of getting up in front of the classroom and teaching, but it wouldn't need to be such a big deal. Because it could just be this short little thing and then you could say, "Okay, now you're ready to get in front of the room and deliver like a really simple class Um, and then beyond that you're going to work with some, you continue to work with the teacher that you're working with or a different teacher to improve your skills and to improve your knowledge and to continue touching in on how your practice is going. Um, and that by definition necessitates small.
1: It also, you're, you're pointing in the direction of like a um, hybrid experience of, um, uh, mentorship as the true vehicle for teacher training. Yeah. you know cuz when you when you i i just want to throw this out there i agree with everything you're saying and i think that that's a lovely option and it um there is great wisdom in it i also think that there is a lot to be said for the both economic imperative and also the um plurality of ideas imperative that can be the outcropping of a well thought out co-led teacher training. I personally, just anecdotally from my teacher, my experience in teacher trainings has been that when I was exposed to many ideas, I felt that I had a, a fuller and more permissive understanding of my own practice. Because there were times where um when i was learning from one of the lead teachers where i was like oh my gosh if i a teacher that you know i respect and admire but if i were to follow this and and really only hear this i might not it might compromise my practice uh, the longevity of my practice in general and that to me is like oh god so like having um you know a a buffet style from multiple people you respect hearing different viewpoints and encouraging critical thought, uh, I, I think, has a place. And I, that I is what I place, fucking
0: love. But I think it has a place in the classroom, in the general classroom. Like, why should people have to pay $3,000 to get that?
1: Wait, because they would be spending the time with those teachers, <laughs> and the teachers should get paid. No, no,
0: no. But why couldn't they?
1: No, because it's not just a class they're walking into. Yeah, but I'm
0: I'm advocating for there being more classes on the regular schedule where those conversations are had.
1: Yeah, and I'm saying a teacher training instead of sitting at the feet of one freaking viewpoint for however many hours – is just as valuable to sit with multiple people with multiple viewpoints and cultivate a diversity of ideas is super valuable too. I I just, I think that they're both paths that have value, you know, and I, I really resist the idea of, Oh, a lead teacher has to teach this many hours. Well, like I don't, when I went to college, I didn't take my literary criticism classes from just one fricking professor. That would have really limited my scope of thought.
0: So, so again, what, what I would be advocating for, because there is, there is a time and place for folks to like, I'm going to hear what this teacher has to say. I'm going to hear what that teacher has to say. I'm going to hear what this teacher has to say and have this very like, huh, let me explore all of these Different understandings of yoga. And then it's not to say that then you have to go deep with one teacher and follow that teacher forever, because I think that that's a really dangerous path. I'm saying that the market sets us up to like think that whether it's one teacher or whether it's many teachers, that we've done this 200 hour thing and then we're done.
1: No, agreed, agreed. So but that's so, not.
0: So I'm, I'm more, if we could just if we could delete the 200-hour thing, then, you know, which I feel like is actually a lot of what people do in their actual educational, you know, once they're done with teacher training, you know, they go to a 75-hour training here with this person, and then they go to a 50-hour training here with that person, mm-hmm. and they go to a fit Like, I want that to be the norm.
1: Of course. And, and that's what I want, too. Yeah. But if we just rein the the main problem with i think the changes that yoga alliance applied to the 200 hour i think it was a really i think it was a really i think it was a misstep to to put on a pedestal to teachers in the context of a 200 hour they're demanding a pedestal and that's where i get uneasy because no matter what let me finish no matter what Those students, even if they're exposed to other ideas from other teachers, will always say to themselves, these people were just a side dish. The truth came from the mouths of these two leaders. And that's where I get like, no, man, like I'm just done. I'm so done with the freaking hierarchy shit. I don't care if you've been teaching for 30 years. Sometimes people who have been teaching for 30 years have been teaching the same freaking thing for 30 years. And that's not always good. I just, I, I, I I push back vehemently against the idea that the simple longevity of a person's practice is what brings, uh, that is what brings it gravitas.
0: I, and I, I agree with that because I know many, many teachers who have been teaching for many, many years and I just don't, I don't, for whatever reason, resonate or understand why they're practicing what they're practicing. Um, partially because in some instances they don't e- explain it well <laughs> like if if someone explains the context of their practice and why they're doing what they're doing and it doesn't work for me then at least I have an understanding of what they're getting from it and that just I'm not getting that from it right Um, but can we agree that there is some likelihood that if someone has been practicing for a, and studying for a significant p- period of time longer that they might have some insight that is worth listening to might not be everything it's like you know i've never had a had a teacher who has been teaching most of the teachers that I would name as my, as my teachers have been uh, teaching for way and practicing for way longer. We're talking like four or five decades of, of practice under their belt and they are all imperfect and flawed human beings. And, you know, there is in one manner, a hierarchical relationship in that, you know, um, I'm learning from them. But then there's also the truth of, you know, once I have learned what I'm going to learn from them, once they have taught me what I'm going to teach them, you know, there is some dissolving of that hierarchy. Of course. And I think, you know, one of the things that would do the you know, it, it's not even really about whether you're listening to a teacher who's been teaching for two minutes or whether you're listening to a a teacher who's been teaching for four decades. It's more it, there has to be more of a clarity about this is what I feel yoga is. And this is the context in which I teach. And these are the things that I have to teach. And I'm going to, you know, and then, you know, whether it's in a very loose container like a public classroom or a very formal container like a mentorship, that there is some exchange of information there and that everyone's clear on what the context is, including the context of that teacher. Because if you're learning from someone who's in their 60s, there might be some things that you come up against where you're like, oh, that's not quite right. Just in terms of like the evolution of society. <laughs> so, so it's, it's, it, to me, it's far, far more complex because I agree that there, as we've seen time and time again, tons of issues with, with the hierarchical, hierarchical, that is a hard word to say, um, aspects of, of yoga and how yoga is delivered. And, There are people who have been practicing for longer who have really, really valuable things to share.
1: Of course. Nobody's debating that. Do you think that a 200-hour teacher training could not be effective and valuable if it were comprised of equal segments of time taught by different teachers, more than two, that are considered experts in their subfield? It depends.
0: It depends on what the t- uh, what the training is promising. If the training is promising just that, um, I think that it would be beneficial, but I'm not sure that people would leave that training with a clear idea about how to teach. Um, I think it would very much depend but see,
1: on how... One to- of the things I'm seeing that really shits the bed is when there are teacher trainings that are led by like one or two people, it's a lot of people coming out echoing Echoing how those two people teach And thinking that they have to teach Through that lens Whereas when there's a plurality of ideas People come out and they're like Well I just heard a bunch of shit And here's the parts that most resonate with how I practice And their teaching can come from uh, But but
0: I think that's that's the, 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 the challenge Of a one or two person training Is that you have to make sure That people aren't leaving with the the idea that your that the that the lead trainer's understanding of practice is the is the be all end all.
1: I know and that's impossible to do because it's baked in when you're sitting with a person, like time is money. And when you're sitting spending your time and your money on one or two viewpoints automatically it is built into our brainstem to think that this is the unified voice and that's what i rally against
0: and when you sit there with the multitude of viewpoints there is a high percentage and i know this because there are tons of people who come out of these types of trainings who i have worked with there is just a confusion about where to even begin
1: well, I think there should be confusion. Good. I want them to come out with confusion because if they come out with surety, I think that's suspect. If they no, come no, out no, with surety because the, they're echoing a viewpoint c- of confu- two people. There's
0: there's there's confusion that's just... that's just naturally occurring avidya, naturally occurring unknowing. And then there's confusion that's like... where they have this experience of... No, I'm not talking about teaching, Matt. I'm, I'm talking about practicing now where they have this experience of being in um i don't know side angle pose and then all of a sudden they're hearing those 10 different voices that they had in their teacher training all barking different instructions at them and then just being like i don't know what to do
1: well then i think that that's a fault of them and i mean this with love like if the if the student cannot arrive at their own conclusion, that is not the fault of the program. That is but, but a me, lack let, of education and critical thought. De,
0: de, devil's advocate here. Most of the time when I've experienced the co-led setting as either someone participating as a teacher in the co-led setting or someone pr- participating as a student as a co-led setting, there still has to be some... I, and I don't think that this is impossible. There there has to be some cohesion and the, that the people in the training are on the same page about what fundamentally is being communicated because so often what happens is someone is, you know, the, the people coming into those settings is, is... There can be a... What's the word? There can be a sort of antagonistic feeling that the student gets between the viewpoint of one teacher and the viewpoint of another, which is not to say that the training as a whole couldn't be encouraging what are you feeling? What choice are you making within the context of this pose or within the context of practice? And what's the outcome? And could be encouraging this this idea of of critical thinking and attempting to understand sensation. But again, that goes... Into practice, not into yes. teaching,
1: and it should go into practice. So, but I, then this we're is... back
0: to the first thing. Let's just get rid of the training.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we agree to get rid of the training. But for right now, the thing that just that just blows my mind in its short sightedness is getting rid of a multitude of equally heard voices in a two hundred hour training. I think that uh, having teachers that disagree respectfully with each other and can explain why. And presenting those viewpoints to students, even if it creates a little bit of confusion, ultimately creates students that are equipped with multiple viewpoints, and they have to then turn in and rely on their own practice so, to suss out what is of value to them. And that's it, when we do anything else, when we go down the road of, nope, this is what this is what triangle, this is proper alignment for triangle, this is my viewpoint. If we go down that singular note, what we end up with is a lot of students with myopic viewpoints on a on accessibility, on the aesthetics of a shape, on the sensations of a shape, and then we have to undo that work in a frickin' 300 hour, and say, you know what, that one teacher, they had a pretty freaking you know, they're one person, it's not their fault that they're one person, but they're one person.
0: And it is possible that one person can teach choice in asana.
1: Totally agree with that, yes
0: which is exactly what i get from my teacher is that it's never been i he has not i i mean i have the recordings i can check never once has there been a this is the right way to do the pose now There may have been points where, based on what was going on in my own body, for my own well-being, he's like, I'd like you to try to do this in the context of this pose. But, you know, but I also recognize that teaching choice in asana is the long route. And I think if the point of view is teaching choice in asana, then 200 hours is not enough.
1: No, but it's all we have, and so we damn well better insert some is, choice in early, is right not, now. I no, mean, no, no. I mean, it's not years, all we should
0: people, have. For years, people have always on on so many so many copies of so many teacher trainings. Meaning, not copy the like the website copy of so many teacher trainings. Phrasing like we this training goes above and beyond the two hundred hour standards set by. Yoga Alliance. And usually what that meant is that the training was actually 200 hours because there was some acknowledgement that, that, you know, there was some fudging that was going on in most other, other trainings. So I absolutely think that you could still have an initial teacher training and just say, like, this is what we think is, is worthwhile. It fits with y- Yoga Alliance, but that's not like almost as an accidental (laughs) like it is yes approved by yoga lions, but this is what we feel is valuable um and so i you know i never think these things are, are mutually exclusive and and i never um want there to be Like, this, the, the focus on the focus on teaching as a, like, a profession is problematic in the first place. Like, yes, some of us happen to make our livelihood from it in some way or another, but, like, the, the whole problem with this whole thing is this: you're doing this teacher training and just the mere manner of calling it that, you're, there is this subtle, like, oh, you're going to be able to graduate from this and, and make some cash. Um, As opposed to, you know, just learning more about yoga. Um, And I would really love for everybody, cough, cough, in Boston to just begin to echo that more than this endless I mean, round of of 200 and to do it in whatever whatever fucking way that works for them that works for their overhead that works for their you know just that that works for their understanding of yoga
1: so um, we agree then it just like let's let go of yoga alliance
0: oh yeah yeah no, that's always the agreement but then you know I, i've i've witnessed time and time again in the that there is no point in jumping well there's plenty of point in jumping up and down on yoga lines and, and saying whatever you want to say because everyone should say what they want to say but they're not fundamentally going to change what they're doing right like so if not that then we just what? some people just need to say okay this
1: that. <laughs> just yes
0: this we're doing this and if you like this You should do this and if you don't like this you should do something else yes or if so i
1: think for massachusetts this (laughs) we could have we could have you know a group of sort of thought leaders in in massachusetts and and studio owners and managers just come together and be like hey this is what we think is a good idea but it's not a you know but not like locking people down to it I just, alternatives, smaller alternatives to Yoga Alliance seem to be a good answer.
0: And I think it would be really easy to just, you know, I also feel like they're, the standards kind of do lock you into a particular, also a particular, like, this is how teacher trainings have historically been done. So it's only within the consideration of how teacher trainings have historically been done. So like, I actually have a hard time when I do train people one-on-one because that's fundamentally what they want. And the group setting is kind of problematic, um, for whatever reason, um, like that was wholeheartedly confusing for yoga lions to understand. Like, um, it was like, it took multiple, multiple phone calls where I had to be like, no, every human comes (laughs) to see me every week for a certain period of time, and we cover certain material at the pace that is appropriate for the student. And then here's like, like it, it was, it was maddeningly difficult. And then, to the point where the the next year after I did that I did a small group version because it was just easier for for yoga Alliance and other people to understand but I still would rather do it one on one and like that's I don't know as it the there is something that as the as the standards become more and more and more and more and more and more, and more pervasive it's like becomes harder to break away from it so like Now's the time to break away from it like two years from now it might be too late because you know we'll have state regulations that basically say yoga alliance is the is the standard um, not to be too doom doom and gloom, but I totally see that is is where things are headed. At the same time, full disclosure: I continue when I get emails asking about this, that, or the other thing from from Yoga Alliance, from people at Yoga Alliance. I continue to respond and participate just to be the contrarian viewpoint, <laughs> knowing full well that nothing I say will ever be <laughs> will ever be implemented. <laughs> But, you know, I, I, I do engage when it's appropriate to engage. Um. Anyways, well, that We're was it. Uh, <laughs> that was a it's been something.
1: a while. It's been a while, Ryan. It's been a while. We just
0: we had some things to say. <laughs> Um, should we talk a little bit about where, where we're taking this? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we've, we've tried to make this work with our lives and schedules and, um, it's been, uh. Interesting. <laughs> and and obviously we, we failed a little bit by uh, not having recorded, it looks like, since February or something like that. Maybe even earlier than that.
1: No, it wasn't since February. Oh, I think it was. No, it was like May.
0: Okay, I'll look back. Um, but it uh, feels like decades, Kate. It really does. <laughs> so much has happened. Um, so... We're going to do, counting this episode, 16 more episodes between now and the end of the year, um, with the hope that next year we'll do a total of 24 episodes, and while we will continue to have most of the episodes be with Kate and I, we'll also be inviting on other voices um, to Woo! participate, um, and one of the things that... Um, you know, I've also been really thinking about is the fact that, you know, podcasting very interestingly is like, it's this free platform, basically. I mean, you see subscription stuff coming up here and there and, and, um, that'll be interesting to see how that, that fares, um, over time, but fundamentally it's this free platform. And, um, I have never felt great about the fact that, uh, we don't really, I don't pay Kate for this. I don't pay myself for this. When we have guest hosts on, I don't pay anybody as a guest. Um, so we're going, I'm going to very modestly begin to pay whoever is on the podcast and whoever ends up editing the podcast for each episode. Um, it's not going to be much to start out with, but, um, I think it's really important that there's some some value exchange that occurs. Um, and in order to do that, uh, we will be shutting down the Patreon um, in favor of a sort of um, sliding scale membership on um, that will be available on my website. Uh, it is not live now, um, uh, but hopefully will be by the end of the month. Um, and the idea is that you'll not only get archives of the unrolled um, episodes, uh, which will start to move into an archive only uh, section slowly, um, but you'll also get uh, audio classes that I've recorded um, uh, at Bow Street uh, that you're welcome to use for practice purposes and all sorts of material that hopefully is inspiring and helpful to your home practice. Um, And... uh, you know, you can, um, access that, uh, either by paying, um, uh, well, we haven't quite worked out the pay structure yet, but it'll be, there'll be four or so pricing options as a sliding scale and you just pay whatever, uh, you can as a monthly subscription, um, for, for that. And that will just help us to not only pay for the hosting and, um, pay for, um, you know, uh, uh ourselves um but it would be really nice to at some point progress to having someone else edit the episodes because i don't really always have a time good i don't have enough time to do a great job with that as some of you have commented on um and uh so we're trying to build it in that whoever's hosting, whether it's me and kate me and somebody else uh kate and somebody else two other people um that will just host it under the unrolled banner, and they will be compensated um, for uh, for their time, um, uh, at least a little bit, um, uh, because because I do want to be be mindful that this this does take time and it takes energy. Um, because oftentimes I get done with these and I'm like, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> um, uh, so I want to want to recognize that. So all of that will be forthcoming starting in September. We'll be shutting the Patreon down this month. Um, and um, I will email everybody who has supported in the past once that all of those links are up and running. And, um, and um, as always, we appreciate any and all support that you can give to this fun little endeavor that we like to do it saves us from having to take um moderately uh, inappropriate instagram photos of us half naked in asana poses which we really 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 appreciate um <laughs> uh <laughs> was that too much
1: is that too, too nope, far Kate? Nope, <laughs> okay nope, absolutely not <laughs>
0: We're just, we're just better in an audio format. <laughs> it's,
1: it's true.
0: It's true. We,
1: we've got a face for radio. It's true. <laughs> um,
0: so, as always, uh, feel free to um, uh, email us. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that's just unrollpodcast at gmail.com. And... Uh, the unrollpodcast.com will slowly start to d- redirect you to a new place on my site where all of the unrolled content will live. And am I missing anything else, Kate?
1: Um, No, check in on your strong friends. Ah,
0: I agree with that.
1: Uh, It's been a delight and an honor to be back. And thank you for sticking with us, those of you who have. And we're looking forward to this next chapter in uh, Unrolled's bright and filthy future. Filthy. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) We remembered. We did.